Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. Thank you for joining me today. Great to have you back here with me. Uh, we're going to be looking in Genesis today, Genesis 4, talking about the two Lamechs. There's two Lamechs in the Bible uh, that can be confused oftentimes. Matter of fact, the first one and the second one I myself got confused with uh, when I was preaching a week or two ago, and I briefly mentioned, I said, I think that Lamech is, and then I said, wait a minute, that's not it. It can, get, it can get all of us, even those that spend uh, quite a bit of time in the Bible, preparing for preaching. Amen. But what does it mean that God would put two names so similar? My wife even asked me, she said, why do they have the same name? Uh, even ancestors sound the same. Why would God do that? What can we find out about these Lamechs? It's amazing what God does with his genealogies. If you spend some time with it, don't let that big word, that Bible word genealogy scare you off. We're going to learn some very simple but very powerful spiritual truths today. So let's just dive into Genesis 4, amen. Genesis chapter 4, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So just after verse 1 and 2, you see that when Eve gives birth to Cain, it says, uh, she says, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And then she does not mention, or it's not mentioned in God's word uh, about Abel being a man from the Lord. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, I wondered if, you know, that was prophetic in the way that um, Eve was saying, I've gotten a man from the Lord, as in a sinful man, an earthly man. That's what Cain turned out to be. Uh, but maybe that's just um, looking too deep into it. But we'll move on here to uh, Genesis 4, verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And so Cain, uh, he was a uh, tiller of the ground, a farmer. And so he brought from the ground uh, offering. And Abel, verse 4, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. That means his, uh, his look on his face, his appearance fell. He was mad. Uh, you ever watch someone get mad? Their face uh, says uh, a lot when they get mad. Their countenance will change. And Cain was mad because he had brought uh, something that he had grew. And God said, that's not good enough. And he watched his little brother Abel uh, bring something out there. The first of the flock, uh, the blood offering, the sacrifice, the uh, lamb without blemish, uh, so to speak. Cain brought the proper, or excuse me, Abel brought the proper offering. Cain did not. And now Cain is mad. Um, and see, here we have uh, verse five, but unto Cain to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Verse six, and the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. So here we see in Genesis 4 in the first eight verses, Cain and Abel are born, they grow up, they are working, they have vocations, and one kills the other. That's how quickly 
You see, how long did it take murder to occur in the Bible? Oh, it only took uh, one generation. Amen. It took one generation for man to start killing man. Amen. And uh, jealousy to appear and all these sinful traits. I'm sure you've heard many messages on Cain and Abel in the past, uh, but we're, we're going to get down to Lamech, but it's important to understand the context of the first Lamech. We can't understand that unless we understand what Cain did to Abel. He killed his brother. And then here on verse nine, and the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? verse 10, and he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. So here we see uh, in verse 10, God's asking Cain, God knows, but he's asking Cain, where's Abel? And then we see verse 11, a very poetic judgment God puts forth on Cain. He says that same ground that received the blood that you shed of your brother, uh, that, that killed your brother after uh, out of jealousy, after uh, him giving an acceptable offering, you go and kill him. That same ground is going to be cursed. That same ground is not going to yield that produce, that fruit, those vegetables, those things that you rely on. Uh, I'm imagining Cain would rely on it, not just to eat or to, uh, even feed his family, but also to trade with and barter with as others grew out of their family line. Um, verse 11, and thou art cursed from the ground, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. You know, a lot of people would ask, you know, how on earth was Cain uh, giving this bad offering? You know, what was going on there? He was, uh, did he not fear God? And I think that this here we see in Genesis 4, we see uh, in verse 13 that Cain now understands and now maybe fears God a little bit. He says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. He now has that fear of the Lord. But you notice it's not my punishment is greater uh, than those that I love can bear, is greater than the earth can bear. No, it's I, 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 I. Sin always has got I at the center of it. It's always what can it do for me? It's always that lustful behavior. And now he is worried about himself. Verse 14, behold, thou hast driven me out of this day from the face of the earth and from the face shall I be hid and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Verse 14, many people might wonder who, who else is there, Adam and Eve. They bore Cain first. He killed Abel. Who else is there? Um, I believe that there were brothers and sisters and family that when they found Abel dead, they would go after Cain. And that's why Cain is worried again. He's not worried because he disappointed God. He's worried for his own hide. And that's how sinful man lives today. But let me keep going for the sake of time. Verse 15, and the Lord said unto him, therefore, for whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. So we see here, the Lord says, you're not going to be killed. Uh, in a way, that's the, one of the greatest punishments we can have uh, by the Lord is to not die. You see in Revelation, see, this is the first book, Genesis, and the last book, Revelation, there's a time during the tribulation people where people want to die. They wish to die and they cannot die. That's like Cain here. And Cain, uh, verse 16, went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the of the son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad and Irad 
begat Mehajul, and Mehajul begat Methuselah, and Methuselah begat Lamech. That's our main character here. Hey, better late than never. We're into it now. We've got the first Lamech. And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zillah. Lamech, as I understand it, is the first example of polygamy in the Bible. How long did it take man to break God's order of marriage, of one man and one woman in marriage? Uh, people nowadays, they're, they're turning over in their graves, uh, if they could, watching the gay marriage happen and the homosexual rights movement happen and all these other perversions happen. And here we have the very first book of the Bible, the fourth chapter in the 19th verse, polygamy, breaking God's ways right here. Lamech took him two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name of the other is Zillah. And Adah bare Jabal. He was the father of such dwell in tents and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal, who was a father of all such handle the harp and the organ. Um, and Zillah, she also bare Tubalcane, an instructor of every artificer in the brass and iron. And the sister of Tubalcane was Dama. And so we see here in verses 20 through 22 here that, um, you know, we have civilization occurring. We have cities occurring. I spent some time with our church just yesterday talking about how is it that you go to the cities and they're always the most sinful place. You say, Brother Clark, how do you know? Well, I grew up 11 miles from New York City, amen, and it was the wickedest place I can imagine. It's more wicked than you can imagine. What you want to do, you can get it accomplished in New York City. If you say, oh, they've cleaned it up, oh, they fixed it. No, they didn't. They can do anything in New York City. It is a very wicked place. I hate to say this, Charlotte. I live near Charlotte. Charlotte. Uh, I, there's a lot of wickedness in Charlotte. There's a lot of boasting and false gods and idols and all kinds of wickedness in Charlotte. Uh, Asheville, Raleigh, you name it. It's everywhere. Amen. Las Vegas, LA, Cali all these cities, all these cities. So where did this secular city, where did this sinful secular city start? It started right here in Genesis 4. And you have these people uh, that are involved in, in, in tent making, uh, the father of it, the father of the heart in organ. You know, people think, uh, history teachers tell us that at this time, people should have been in a cave somewhere uh, eating insects. And here we read in Genesis 4 that they had harps, amen, which also is biblical because we see the harp in Revelation again. So a lot of what's old is new again. And we see on and on that man was much more sophisticated than historians like to give man credit for in this time. And they decided they didn't need God. And that's a perfect example of what we see here with Lamech and his two wives, verse 23. And Lamech said unto his wives, Adela and Zillah, hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. Whoa, this guy's bragging. He's bragging that he killed somebody. So someone hurt him and he's bragging to his two wives. Uh, plain, plain spoken brag on killing somebody, killing in a, uh, someone that didn't deserve to die, someone that was innocent of being uh, murdered by later on in Exodus, they create the eye for the eye, the tooth for the tooth law. 
Uh, and then in the New Testament, we have even greater restraints on what we should do to people that hurt us. And so here Lamech had sinned. Uh, he was living sinful with his two wives. He had sinned. Then he bragged about it. God hates a proud look. Amen. Uh, the father of all pride is the devil. And uh, pride is the antithesis of humility, of living for God. Amen. And we see pride deep in this man's heart. And he's bragging. And he says, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, 70 and sevenfold. So he wants uh, something like, I'm not a mathematician here, but something like 10x uh, what Cain was uh, uh, spared. And, and, and so as I talked to my church about this, I said, you know, look at what's happening here. Um, this man is in a city away from God, uh, just only so many generations removed from Cain, and it's gotten, I would say, 10 times worse. And uh, if we go through Genesis 4, just a couple of verses left, left, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth, for God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began, uh, began men to call upon the name of the Lord. So here we see the righteous line birthed out at the end of Genesis 4, where people start to call upon the name of the Lord. It says here in verse 26, it's, it's, people say they can't understand the King James. I don't know why. This is perfectly crystal clear. And to Seth, to him also, there was a born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then, be, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Then began men, as in, as in before, they were not calling upon the name of the Lord. Remember, we're not too far removed from Adam. And so what we see here is all of this is happening in a time that's not far removed from Adam, and there's so much wickedness. Lamech was Cain's great-great-grandson, okay, great-great-grandson, that, not that far removed. Uh, when I moved down south uh, from living up north, I noticed people, uh, families, they seemed to stick closer together, and some kids, they had younger moms, and they would have grandmas, and they'd have great-grandmas. Okay, well, this is only two more generations than that. A great-great-grandma, a great-great-grandpa. And that's, that would be the connection between Lamech and Cain, not that far at all. In fact, Lamech admits that he knew Cain's story because he said, if Cain's avenged sevenfold, then let me be avenged seventyfold, or whatever it was, okay? So Lamech is sinful, first mention of polygamy in the Bible. He's boastful about getting away with murder. He's proud and arrogant. And there's just so much wickedness. And what we see here, as Genesis turns the page there from four to five, and we start seeing the line of Seth, we see a, a pattern that's repeated throughout the Bible. The first is always sinful, and the next always godly. So the first Lamech is sinful. We'll get to the second Lamech in a minute. Uh, he was godly. Uh, the, Cain was sinful. The first, Abel, was godly. If you want to look at it within one person, Saul was sinful, and then he was converted on the road to Damascus. Paul then became godly. We read in the Bible about the first Adam. Uh, that's Adam, Adam and Eve, and then the last Adam, Jesus Christ, who uh, solved our uh, our, our curse that we couldn't solve. He resolved it. He paid the sin price by dying on the cross for our sins. Amen. Uh, this will be airing, I believe, on Easter Sunday. Thank God for the resurrection. Amen. Thank God for what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. I can't thank him enough. I can't do it on my own. My works couldn't do it. Uh, my, my church membership couldn't do it. Even being a pastor wouldn't do it. It was only by what Jesus did on the cross, shedding his blood for sinners like me. And when he shed his blood and when he died on the cross, he paid that sin debt. Amen. And it is paid for good. It's done. You understand that? It's done. Once one 
He paid the price one time for eternity. And so what that means is when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we're saved, then we have salvation, what, what the Bible uh, scholars would call eternal security. We are forever saved. It didn't say that God wrote our names down in the Lamb's Book of Life with a number two pencil that could be erased. It was written in the blood, amen. It was written so it is never to be erased, never to be blotted out. Once saved, always saved. I believe it, amen. It, the Bible proves it over and over again. And we have security in Jesus. So when we believe on Jesus, we believe that he died for our sins, that he was risen from the dead, and that when he was risen from the dead, it was God's way of saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. He has paid this sin debt. He has all power. You know, the Bible says that he's got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Uh, I, I can't be afraid of death because I, I'm going to be with Jesus. Amen. He defeated it. When I get to death's door, I'm going to say, I claim Jesus. I can't claim anything I did, but I claim Jesus. Okay, now I'm getting fired up. Let me get on back on track here. You're listening to KJV Cafe. As you learn the great truths in God's Word, we encourage you to take the verses mentioned in this episode and study them. Trusting God will open your eyes to a deeper understanding of Himself. Now here's Pastor Clark with the rest of today's message. The idea is that God is greater than sinful man. And so when we see man doing it on his own and you start seeing these little intricate parts about the, the tents in the city and the harps in the city and this, that, and the other in the city, and it's all about man, nowhere is God mentioned in that uh, section of scripture. When we see that happening, we see wickedness prevailing. And then when we see that wickedness prevail, it cannot be fixed on its own. You end up with people like Lamech who are boastful in their sin. Uh, the idea that God is greater than any sinful man, and he's the only one that can provide true healing, is actually shown in the book of Luke. I don't know if you ever looked at this verse in this way, but Luke eleven thirteen: If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? him. Okay. Well, you know, what's interesting about that, I would look at that and think of that, you know, if I would uh, take my daughter to get ice cream and think, uh, you know, hey, I'm a good dad today. I'm taking my daughter to get ice cream. And they think, oh man, the Bible says the Lord knows how to give so much better gifts than, than I do. But when you look at this closely, it says, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? See, what God is giving that is so special is himself. Right when we're saved, we receive Jesus Christ living within us. We receive that we receive that third part of the Holy Trinity: Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit living within us. So, what Luke eleven thirteen is saying is, God is so good to us and so gracious and merciful to us that He gives of Himself, and that is what completes us. That's the greatest gift. To be whole, we must be holy. As in, to be whole, we must be saved, amen? To be whole, we must not grieve the Holy Spirit. And again, that's a whole other message, but we must receive the Holy Spirit and we must not live in sin, not because we can lose our salvation, but because we can grieve the Holy Spirit and get afar off from God. The Bible says, draw nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to you. We must draw close to God and enrich that Holy Spirit, amen? And that's what this is all about here today. You know, we've got the first Lamech, who was evil. But then we have that second Lamech. And now who is that? Well, you had Adam, right? And Adam had, Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, and then they had Seth, right? And so the line of Cain is Enoch to Irad to Mehajul to Methuselah to Lamech, okay? 
seven, seven total there. And then you've got Seth on the other side who has Enos, then Canaan, and then Mahali, Mahal, Alil, I'll get it there. And then Jared, and then Enoch is the seventh. So you remember Enoch, he was the one that was taken away after 365 years because he walked so close with God. He never died. He was translated, amen. Uh, and then Enoch, uh, after him, is Methuselah, who lived the longest uh, to live out of any man. And again, that's a favor of God. We know that the Lord gives long life uh, as a one reward, uh, one way that he uh, shows blessings to the saints. And then Methuselah, the longest one that ever lived, gave birth to Lamech, and then Lamech is the dad of Noah. Amen. So you see the righteous line through Seth, which eventually will lead to Jesus Christ. And you see that parallel given there in the seventh generation between the first Lamech, who was evil, wicked, and sinful, and it was all about death and murder and destruction, and Enoch, the one that walked so closely with God, he was taken home. No coincidence there. And then Methuselah, who had a very rich life, and then Lamech, and then Noah. This also tells us that Noah was around um, his dad, who was only, uh, you know, eight generations away from creation. And so for me, I hear stories uh, from four or five generations past. Um, we'll, we, we go travel around the state of North Carolina. It's nothing to see a building that's 100 years old, 120 years old, 150 years old, right? Uh, up north, gosh, you know, you start going uh, many more years than that. When you start some of these buildings up north, or I went to college in Ohio, a lot of old buildings in Ohio, amen? And what you see is that, you know, seven or eight generations, it may seem like a lot, but it's really not because we see that Lamech was seven generations, right, uh, from Cain, and he was quoting Cain. He was quoting Cain. He was bragging about that. Well, Enoch walked so closely to God, he was translated. Methuselah was the oldest person to ever live. You know, how, how likely was all this information passed down to Lamech and then passed down to Noah? And what that shows us is that when Noah was preaching the flood, amen, when he was preaching God's judgment coming to this Cain-related, Canaanite, Cain-related people, uh, and the flood was coming, Noah was preaching with authority. Noah was preaching with passion. Noah was preaching with a very strong knowledge of creation and of the true and living God. And we see, again, how far humanity had fallen, because maybe that seventh generation, they were so sinful, but maybe by that eighth and ninth and tenth generation, the generation of Noah, they had gotten to the point where they had completely separated themselves from God. And that's why I believe Genesis 4 puts that information in there about the tents and about the harps and about the forging of, of iron and bronze and so forth to let us know not just that humanity had progressed so much in that period of time, but also that these cities were, were created and were, were growing and that sinful secular nature was becoming uh, the, the, the thing that would basically lead them to their death. And so it's very fascinating to see the two Lamechs compared. Uh, I mentioned before that it wasn't of the time for Lamech to kill that person. Exodus 21, 24, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So if he was following um, the Mosaic laws, which I guess, I guess hadn't come along yet, but that would be the closest thing to it, he wouldn't have killed that person. And then we also see God's mercy and love, and I believe it's in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, with the refuge cities, oh, Numbers, the refuge cities, Numbers 35, 6, and among the cities which ye sh shall give unto the Levites, there shall be six cities for refuge, which ye shall appoint for the manslayer, that he may flee thither. So God had created refuge cities. And that idea was, um, I asked the church, you know, what's it called when it's an accidental murder? I think they said it was manslaughter versus premeditated, right? 
And so if you accidentally killed somebody, you weren't even punished with death. You were given a city to flee to because God knew in his wisdom, in his infinite wisdom, that accidents did happen among sinful man and that there were people that would have been murdered uh, because of the eye for the eye thing, that they would have this refuge city to go to. And so there was no reason for Lamech to kill that person uh, and then to brag about it was totally inexcusable. And yet we see that in our society today. We see vain and worldly pursuits. We see people living for themselves. We see boasters and braggers. We see people that are prideful. We see people that are uh, completely in love with themselves and that uh, bow down to their own idols of uh, materialism and wealth and superstition. We see people flaunt new age religion and all these other things. We see people that try to persecute Christians and shut down the Bible and have hatred towards the true and living God and break many commandments over and over again and almost relish in it. But that is not the way we are to live. Not only are we to live godly, but you know what? When someone hurts us, let's say we're in a position like Lamech, we are to turn the other cheek. Matthew 5.39, this is Jesus speaking, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And again, why? Why is God saying that? Because he wants us to trust him to have faith in him because vengeance is his and he will repay. And we see the vengeance. We see what he did to Cain. He enlisted a a fate so brutal that Cain said, I can't take this, right? Because he had cursed the ground. And God's judgment is, is fair. It's accurate. It's right. And we just need to put it in his hand and we need to allow him to do it. Uh, again, we are justified by what? Faith. Romans 5, 1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is faith? It's our belief, amen? It's our belief. Did, did this evil line from Cain rebelling and giving the bad offering and then killing his brother, did he truly have faith? No. No, he, he believed in God. He talked to God. But he didn't have faith that God is who he says he is and that God would do what he said he would do. He didn't until it was too late. And Lamech, did he have faith? No, absolutely not, because he boasted about things that he shouldn't boast about. And truly, I'm sure he died a very brutal death and today is burning in hell. Uh, And so faith is so important. We're justified by faith, by believing, because when we believe, then we fear God. And when we fear God, that's the beginning of all wisdom. I'm going to read Hebrews 11 real quick, and we'll wrap it up. Hebrews 11, uh, 1 through 7. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Amen. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. It was not found because God had translated him For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. 
I can go on here, what they call, preachers call it the Hebrews Hall of Fame. But we see so much here. And we see so much. And I love verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God knows our state. He knows our sinful state. He knows that we have to find some incentive in it. And so here it says, we have to believe in God, and then we have to believe we'll be rewarded to diligently seek him, right? God's like, look, I know how you are. I know your form. I know you need some kind of reward out of this, some kind of motivation. And so you need to believe in me and who I am and that I'll reward you, right? And that is what Lamech lacked. That's what Cain lacked. And that's what Seth did not lack. And that's what Noah did not lack. And again, with Noah, what a great... um uh, verse here in verse 7, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear. And that again goes back to the idea that that righteous line of Seth passed on the ways of the Lord to the younger generations. So by the time it came to Noah, he was a God-fearing man among all of these pagan, wicked, sinful people related to Cain. And so what we see is that that righteous line, they passed on God's word as we are to do. And so I hope and I pray that this message was a blessing to you. And it's a blessing to me to study it and to share it. And I just ask you to pray to God to have you increase your faith, to believe in him, to believe he's coming again, to serve him and to not get yoked up into sin and the bondage that comes with it. In Jesus name, Amen. listening to KJV Cafe. As you learn the great truths in God's Word, we encourage you to take the verses mentioned in this episode and study them. Trusting God will open your eyes to a deeper understanding of Himself. Now here's Pastor Clark with the rest of today's message.